Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Well, hello and welcome to Powered by Age. Powered by Age is a senior-led podcast where we share interesting facts about life. We celebrate particular celebrations such as uh, this month being Asian Heritage and, uh, and we're going to have a special presentation regarding that. I am Charlotte Farrell, your host, and I acknowledge that we uh, do this program on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Salewatooth nations. Unceded meaning they didn't give it to us. Uh, today we have special presentations from Marika uh, here at the center. You're going to be learning some new things about the 411 Center. The 411 Senior Center is one of our sponsors along with the federal government, and you'll hear a little bit about how that works. So without further ado, I'll begin as we usually do with having the people that are signed on at the beginning briefly introduce themselves and um, those who come in later, you might hear their voices, but you won't hear the introduction. So I'll start with uh, Nancy. And let me tell you something about Nancy that you might not say about yourself. You know, at different times, you've had presentations by some of the people designated as peer mentors or peer leaders. Uh, Nancy is one of the peer leader mentors. She has a background in doing radio show. And she also, uh, I met her through another senior center where she does a travelogue program. Well, we've talked about uh, as things open again, sometimes places we might podcast from might be a museum or library. So Nancy has got a lot of skill in helping people do a travelogue. So that's one of the other things that we'll be introducing as we jump into June with new spicy and interesting ways of presenting the podcast uh, and then helping you to have the skills to present the podcast in different ways. So Nancy. Oh, thank you, Charlotte. Um, so I'm Nancy Sinclair and I live on uh, Vancouver Island, beautiful British Columbia. And I dabble in some photography and writing are my passions and my interest in being outdoors on this beautiful beautiful province that we live in. And that's me. Okay. Um, Neil? Yeah, my name is Neil Ryan. Uh, I'm a poet. I have a book called From the Other Side, which is uh, about 60 poems and three short stories. And I continue to write poetry. And I have the concept of a new book uh, because I realized uh, in, in my, my meditation over the last week um, that uh, we are all here to put forth our creativity and however we can and so my new, my new book is going to be called uh, uh, 
my my paintings in the cave because that's where we started telling each other stories was with paintings in the cave and uh, paintings in the cave with poetry and other short stories. Thank you. Sounds exciting. Neil regularly shares a poem. Sometimes uh, he'll send a text on Wednesday, I've got a new poem. So he's <laughs> excited some other people about writing and sharing their poetry. Uh, Aideen? Uh, hi, I'm Aideen Dufour, uh, originally from Ireland, spent most of my life in Quebec. And the past couple of years, I've been fortunate enough to live in this beautiful province of BC in Vancouver. Um, I have written poetry and short stories throughout my life, but uh, writing has not been my passion. My passion has always been dancing, hmm. uh, which is not so accessible these days, but I still, ballet is still my, my big love. <laughs> but I am so happy to be part of this group. That's wonderful because as we are talking about new ways people will be able to use presentations, Zoom is having a workshop to help us see different ways by either how you position your screen or other piece of equipment that you could do something like demonstrating a dance and people can follow on. So yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Neil is writing a book and you're planning a dance. Uh, Chris? Hi, I'm Chris Morrissey, and I live in East Vancouver, and I participate at Britannia Community Center um, when we can participate in person. And I'm also a member of Quirky, the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders. Um, and I am attempting to put some thoughts down on paper as in the form of memoir. Wonderful, and that's one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yes. for you. We had one of our, our speakers talk about doing a memoir, and another one of the things as we start having more skills training, uh, ways that people can record their memoirs as audio books and do them in segments. So as we jump into June and trainings that we'll have in the future, that's one of the things we'll do that helps make doing a, man, a memoir more manageable. Uh, Leslie. Uh, yes, I'm Leslie Hebert uh, from New Westminster. I teach English as a second language online, and I write travel articles, poems, and short stories. And talking about what we can do when we're socially distanced, um, I've just started online yoga classes, which is kind of interesting. So the yoga teacher's on Zoom, and I'm on the floor here in my <laughs> den with my mat. And my husband is doing online physiotherapy. So there you go. Yes, amazing. Uh, Joel? Hi, I'm Joel. I am uh, with Podstream Studios, one of the sponsors and uh, collaborators, co-conspirators, if you will, with the uh, 401 <laughs> Senior Center and, um, and Powered by Age podcast. So I've been away for a little bit trying to uh, reclaim <laughs> the kind of craziness of my schedule that just hit me in the summer term unexpectedly. Um, so I'm here to, to lend some technical and maybe some moral support as needed. And um, I do have a couple of updates in, at an appropriate time and just happy to be back for a week anyway. 
That's wonderful. I know you were working on, too, uh, some things with music. Uh, we celebrated the holidays at Christmas time and New Year. Uh, Joel gave us a serenade, and then he was looking at ways that we can uh, use music for some of the stories. Some of the interviews that people do are some of the stories that people have recorded for our spins are longer. So he's looking at ways that we might be able to break up stories or break up things into with, with musical or with sound. So we'll be looking forward to, as we jump into June, testing how we can do that. Uh, and that brings us around to our guest for today. Uh, here, <laughs> we, you've heard that the Floor in One Center is one of our uh, sponsors. It's the place that the podcast emerged and where we physically met and had podcast meetings. And down the road, when the building opens again, we will be doing the same kind of hybrid that schools are doing. We will be on Zoom, but we will also have uh, things that are happening here at the location. So people who are homebound or not able to get here will still be able to participate in the podcast, but we'll just be two places at once. And so now Mariko is one of the program coordinators. A lot of things that people were doing, like people teaching ESL, art, et cetera, she coordinated that. So in introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do here at 411. And then she's going to be presenting uh, a special program. We have two things for Asian Heritage Month. Mariko is going to go over some of the features of Japanese culture, um, examples of philosophy, and Tell us something that you may not know about cherry blossoms in Vancouver. And then, uh, oh, would you also introduce Brian? Brian is a member of 401. He was also one of the original groups, original podcast group, when we were testing, uh, doing podcasts from a creative writing class. So he's going to be sharing one of his original poems with us today. So take it away, Mariko. So, hello everyone, and I'm here on the third floor, and we just moved to uh, this new center last week. And, and later, I'm sure Charlotte will be, you know, showing the center, but you know, I'm so happy uh, to be here because the, uh, the size is twice as big as, you know, before, and also uh, we are planning to have, you know, start or restart some activities here. and. I am doing programs here. So as um, Charlotte mentioned, I'm uh, planning, oh, actually, you know, we have a program committee uh, here. So our committee is planning and organize um, those activities for members. And, and if you have any ideas for program, please contact me so that we can discuss about, you know, pos and pos and programs in the future. And... Yes, here I am. So, okay, so maybe um, time for Brian to introduce himself. Yeah, I'm here again. <laughs> um, as Charlotte says, I do write a bit of poetry, but it came to me very late in my life, um, only about four years ago, at 411, uh, I was encouraged to en enlist in a writing program. At first I resisted. I said, I'm not a writer. But Mariko and the other girl, Julia, insisted, so I said, sure. And I said to myself, I'll go there. And first day, if I didn't like it, I'll just walk out. 
So I went on the first day, somewhat changed my life. I had an excellent teacher, Nick, and um, I think that inspired me to start writing. I was amazed what I could do. Uh, poems just turn out, I write short stories. So it became therapy for me because I experienced a lot of loneliness here for about 30 years. I came from Singapore alone, still alone. So uh, writing was a panacea, I guess, for, for everything that happened to me. You know, it's turned out a lot of things which were hidden inside. But essentially, um, for most of my life, my passion was always sport. I played almost every sport from tennis, soccer, badminton, table tennis. And before I left Singapore for 10 years, I played squash. Squash is a very tough game. And I was a squash coach for 10 years and international squash referee for 10 years. So I refereed all the top squash, the 20 top squash players year after year. And it was an obsession. You know, I, I felt fantastic playing sport. And when I watch sport now, I, I understand what the players go through. Although it's a vicarious experience, but I understand I've been through that, you know, sport. It's, to me, enjoying sport is ecstasy. That's, it's like love. Love is also ecstasy. And some, some of us never ever get in our lifetime, you know. So that's my short story. And Charlotte asked me to write something. So I wrote not a poem, just an article about Chinatown. Because I lived in Chinatown for the last six years. And I was able to somewhat get the essence of this place, Chinatown, and express it in my own way, in my own simple way. And I hope um, you would appreciate uh, listening to it when I read it out. Thank you. Yes, Charlotte, that's it. Oh, we're saying yes, we look forward to hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marika is going to begin her presentation and then uh, she'll stop at points and invite you to ask questions or comments about what she is saying. Okay, so uh, the first of all, thank you very much for this wonderful and opportunity to talk about my culture to people, to good. So, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about Japanese culture, but I'm not giving a big talk, just, you know, short and sweet. Okay. So even though uh, today Japanese um, society or culture um, is enjoying a lot of material or, you know, a lot of things like in you know, high technology, however, um, you know, the feature of Japanese culture is just simplicity and elegance. So, um, and trying to eliminate non-essentials. Non so, um, it is a good example um, to think of Zen. So, Zen is actually a um, central philosophy of Japanese culture. And I'd like to show something related to Zen. So, I hope you can, uh, you can see. This is a picture of a rock, uh, sorry, rock garden in Byoanji Temple in Kyoto. And you know, um, it is just rock and sand in the garden. But you know, we can see many different things in this garden. Sometimes and people see universe, sometimes people see nature, sometimes water, and actually those sand are um, uh, 
cleaned every morning. So we see uh, the small lines, you know, uh, imagining like water. So um, it is very um, quiet place, and usually people are just sitting here to watch these and enjoy those rock garden. Uh, to some people are uh, doing meditation here too. So this is, you know, one of the, you know, uh, example of simplicity of Zen spirit. And another um, picture I'd like to show it is. This is Japanese tea ceremony. So it is done in quiet or uh, silent and uh, silent moment. And we are not talking and, and when we are having tea at all. So just, you know, uh, ritual and uh, ritual and gestures are done through this tea ceremony. And Again, it is sort of meditation. When we are tasting tea, we are uh, doing those ceremonies. We are enjoying the moment, just focusing on the moment. This is actually the um, central philosophy of Japanese culture. And uh, okay, so also, I'd like to show something related to Jap uh, okay, uh, Japanese culture. It is named Hiroshiki, actually, uh, this is a, a wrapping cloth uh, traditionally used. So, okay, so um, I'm going to demonstrate later how to use this cloth to you. And uh, recently, some people are paying attention to this cloth because um, it is very environmental and again, and also it is a replacement of plastic bags. And also this is very flexible and handy and useful. And we can wrap and it can wrap or it, uh, for things and how can I say, uh, two things in different shapes. So I'm going to show it and how to use it uh, now. So, okay, so because I have very limited space here, I hope I can show it. Okay. So, for example, this is just a basket. And it is very simple to use this cross. By the way, this cross is... 28 inches square cross and this is sort of traditional uh, measurement of the uh, this cross and we just wrap diagonally and carry it. So this is very simple basic way to uh, wrap things and by the way this cloth is used to carry things such as kimono cloth or gifts or, uh, you know, other goods uh, to protect. And, okay, so this is very simple use. And also, if we have, you know, something very delicate and long, this is ukulele, and, and we can use this cloth to... Um, wrap this ukulele too. So, 
to do so. Okay, so we just put it here. And this is different way to wrap. So, okay. Okay, use two corners like this. And this corner will go in with this corner. Just showing how easy it is to connect yes, yes. the four corners. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so actually here it is, so we can carry the uh, ukulele like this without, you know, if we don't have any covers, still we can carry with good protection. Okay, this is a way to wrap uh, the long things. And finally, and I'm going to show you how to wrap watermelon. So, but instead, I'm going to use a, a basketball today. <laughs> so, um, imagine this is a watermelon. Okay, it's a little big. So, now I'm going to use these two corners to wrap. Would have never imagined you could use a square to tie up yeah, I know. a round thing like a watermelon. <laughs> yes, yes. So actually, this is very, very useful uh, if you know how to wrap this thing and how to use this wrapping and cross. And, and this is very environmental too. So here we go. So this is how to wrap watermelon or, you know, something big round thing and we can carry without any difficulty so okay so now we have handles here right so <laughs> it is yeah how to unwrap uh, watermelon traditionally okay and you can see how it's a good replacement for the plastic bags yes, yes. we have a cupboard full of plastic bags yeah so i know so Recently, many people are paying attention to this Furoshiki again, and some people are using Furoshiki to carry babies too, even. So, yeah, so this is, you know, our traditional way to wrap things. And, yeah, so I'd like to talk about, you know, something in Vancouver too, but if you have any questions, you know, about these things or a Japanese traditional idea, please, you know, or, you know, uh, make a comment, you know, or uh, please ask me any questions now. Yes, please. Yeah, hi, Mariko. Um, I, um, about the concept of garden, right? Mm -hmm. And you showed us a picture of the, you know, the beautiful Japanese rock garden. Yes. Yeah, but to me, from a Western perspective, they're not yes. a garden because there's no growing things. To me, they're more like a work of art or a sculpture. Okay. Yeah. To yeah. me, from a Western perspective, a garden has to have growing things. Okay. So how, how would you respond to that? Okay. So actually, you know, if you see, there is a uh, moss here. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, uh, the trees are outside. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we have different perspectives of garden yeah. or space. Mm -hmm. So of course, you know, and, and you are right. And you know, and in Japan, our concept of garden is having some plants and you know something grow. So 
And I think we have, you know, and we are sharing different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. It's very interesting. Can I say something? Yes. This is talking about having trees for a garden, and I understand that, you know, seed growing. But looking at this, I'm going to believe that what is growing is your consciousness. A different form of consciousness. Mm. You begin to see something inside. Right. External. Wow. You know, this one, that's my yeah. simple take mm. on it. And I think I've seen, I, I see in people's yards, they, they design rock gardens mm -hmm. and they consider it a rock garden. And there might be trees on the outside of the garden. But to me, when I see something like that, I, I think of it or I view it as it's a garden. It's, it's like it's not like a big lawn. It's not like the whole property. The garden is like they've, they've singled it off. They've made it. It could be large. It could be small, medium size. But they've designated it one way or another to be a garden. And, and rocks... Rocks are alive. Like even if it is a rock garden, there's there's life in those rocks. And so I don't I like I really appreciate your comment, Brian, about about growing consciousness. Mm. It's that draw, it's that attention, it's it's drawing that attention within us to get centered and grounded. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and can be very meditative and, and very soothing, mm -hmm. so even just to, so there are things growing, and, and I wouldn't necessarily have equated, I understand what Leslie's saying in terms of, you know, something rooted in dirt and soil and a plant or a tree or a flower or a vegetable or something. Um, and, you know, and, and people have rock gardens, and they might put in some, say, cacti, something that doesn't need a lot to, to grow but also they they'll add like water features and that sort of thing as well so you know or take particular types of rocks or stones that they found like riverbed stones or or you know rocks from the mountains and that sort of thing so i just uh, i uh, rock yeah, garden yeah there's there's a, a lot to it i'd like to add the idea that the basis of the culture is Zen. And the idea of the rock garden is that you stop the activity in order to experience the Zen-ness of the garden. And I love that. I love that idea. And uh, <clears throat> Tranquility. Mm -hmm. Um, and appreciate you showing that because I think with COVID, we've had to spend so much time inside, but something as simple as sand and rocks gives a different perspective. I think everybody's found some different perspectives of things to do because otherwise you'd be wanting to throw paint against your walls. <laughs> so I thank you for showing that. It's something that we could look at, you know, ways of practicing or, uh, as you say, programs opening again. That might be a program um, that people might want to do of how to grow or how to set up a uh can you set it? It's something you could set up smaller, like if you had a small 
apartment is something that you could set up in a corner? Do, is it something that you necessarily have to go outside to do, or could you set it up in your home? Yeah, but thank you very much. You know, I have never thought that you know, consciousness is, you know, growing, or I was taking, you know, just as uh, granted, you know. So I was never thought of, you know, and what is growing in this quietness or silence. So it was a great opportunity to think, you know, of my culture again. Thank you very much for your comments. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I'm not just talking to my sister. When you look at this picture, it's, it looks like you're looking at a question. It's like a, looking at a Zen cone. Uh, what it does for me, I mean, not be the same for other people, is it tends to remove clutter from my head when I just look at it because there's no, nothing. It removes clutter from my head. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of, after it comes a kind of stillness, you know, not to think too much, don't think, just look. And um, it does something for me. But Charlotte, to answer, to speak to your question, I, I could see that you could create something like that in an indoor space, you know, on a smaller scale, in a box or something, or, you know, whatever creative, just as part of a sacred space or a ritual space in, inside your home. You know, so I could see that it wouldn't necessarily have to be outside, but, you know, you could get really creative mm-hmm. and um, put it as, like I say, I don't know, part of an altar or a sacred space inside and, and just something. That, and, it, and it would do what the Brian's suggesting. I, I can see that. You, it just is a meditative thing just yeah. to look at it, get connected, clear your mind, get grounded, um, just to sit silent, just sitting and looking at it, I can just see how that would just, like you said, just center you and, and, and clear the clutter. Yeah, I've actually seen those uh, little mm-hmm. small boxes, maybe 18 inches by 12, filled with sand with a few rocks and then a miniature rake. Oh, I've actually okay. seen those, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's a good transition from Zen into uh, Japanese Maybe. philosophy. Okay. Thank you. And, you know, may I continue to talk about something in Vancouver? Yes. Yes, thank you. So, okay, so now I'd like to show this picture mm. in Vancouver in spring. So, um, in spring, we are enjoying a lot of cherry blossoms in Vancouver. And until now, I didn't know how many cherry trees are here in Vancouver. And I was so surprised to hear that there are 150,000 trees in Vancouver. So I didn't know such many. So, and um, these trees are originally um, donated or given um, by two mayors. Um, in Japan. So they are from Yokohama City and Kobe City. And in early 1930s, uh, hundreds of trees were given from these two cities to Vancouver. And also in 1935, two Japanese immigrants couple uh, donated 1,000 1, trees to Vancouver City. 
but uh, you know, sadly, uh, the World War II started soon, and all of the um, Japanese Canadian citizens in Vancouver had to, uh, or and they were sent to internment camp. So they lost everything, and and they they had to live in the, uh, the mountains in BC. But uh, after the war, and uh, they had the chance to come back to Vancouver. So uh, in 1950s. Uh, Japanese community and uh, in Vancouver started to have cherry blossom festival every year to celebrate the legacy. This is a cell, uh, history of cherry blossom festival in Vancouver. So it is, you know, uh, sad to know that you know they have to uh, send to the camp. But you know, uh, it's great. And uh, now uh, we Japanese and Canadian communities have very strong connection every year. And, you know, we are celebrating and our legacy here. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is my presentation about uh, the Japanese and uh, Canadian community and cherry blossoms in Vancouver. Thank you. Thank you so much for, I, you know, I have been, I used to live in Vancouver and I've always been fascinated by those cherry blossom trees. They are absolutely breathtaking. And, and especially some of the older streets in Vancouver with the older mm -hmm. housing and stuff, it's just beyond description. But I didn't know the history of it because I, I was always curious because there's certain streets in Vancouver that are unindated with the cherry blossoms. I mean, they're just absolutely spectacular. And especially around the older neighborhoods, the older houses and stuff, there's just such a feeling that's so beautiful. But I had no idea of the history, how they actually came to being. So thank you so much. That was okay. quite- Thank you very much. So actually, you know, and it is uh, great. And uh, I came here to Vancouver 12 years ago and every year I'm so surprised to see how long we can enjoy cherry blossom here. So in Japan, and, and you know, recently uh, the weather is getting uh, warmer and warmer. We can enjoy cherry blossoms just for one week or just for 10 days. But here in Vancouver, we can enjoy it for a month. So actually, you know, it is, you know, um, so great to enjoy those cherry blossoms. And um, it's nice to see people enjoying those cherry blossoms here, Vancouver. Thank you. And for anyone that wondered, do the cherry blossoms, are, are there cherries that grow on the cherry blossom on those trees? Okay, actually, it's a good question. So these are different kind of cherry trees. So for the fruits, we have to have different kind of trees. So unfortunately, we can't enjoy um, fruits of cherries from these um, trees. They are beautiful. Thank you for giving us that history because lots, I, I admired them, but I had no idea. How did they get so many? So that was a wonderful mm. gift of friendship and so sad that such mistreatment of Japanese people happened after that. But it's a good thing for people to know how much contribution and the things when we talk about knowing our past, it helps us to do better. Uh, next week, we're going to have a speaker that is talking about uh, 
the emergence or revelation of how much hate is happening among different uh, Asian and Southeast Asian communities. So along with the contrast to the love and the beauty that's been brought here, this ugliness we're going to talk about as ways to eradicate it. So uh, Nancy at the end will give us the name of that person that we've been talking with. Uh, and you can continue on next week to hear how we are observing and talking about uh, Asia is such a big place. <laughs> Southeast Asia, Asia, and um, the uh, the Allen uh, communities, the whole uh, area of Hawaii and other parts that are included when we're talking about Asian culture. So we'll be continuing getting more information, but I don't want to take away time from Brian presenting his piece. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I, like I said earlier on, um, I live in Chinatown, so uh, it's sad to see what's happening in you know, the homeless, the sick over there. And um, so, in fact, recently I wrote a poem on the homeless, which I don't have it here right now. But uh, this is just a short, my short take of Chinatown, my observations of what's happening there. And just like to share it with you. Chinatown, Vancouver. I first visited Chinatown, Vancouver in 1989. A place buzzing with promise and excitement. The face of China transplanted in Vancouver. Of shops, stocks, stocked with goods oriental. Of merchants, tirelessly engaging with happy customers. There were grocery shops, medicine shops, restaurants, butcher and seafood shops, and crowds too excited to navigate among the troves of families and tourists. It was always an adventure to visit Chinatown, to spend a morning either with friends or by oneself, just to be energized by positive energy flowing freely. But then the inevitable happened as micro Chinatowns began to emerge in Richmond, Surrey and Coquitlam, bypassing the main artery of Chinatown, Vancouver. As merchants began to drift away, allowing the quaint Chinese shops to be replaced by apartments, coffee shops, and offices. His spiritual home had been invaded. There is a name for it. It's called progress. Thank you. Wow. Wow, Brian, thank you. Sure. That was powerful. Thank you. 
Other thoughts or comments, people who've lived here and seen some of the changes happening in Chinatown? Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd love to speak to her. I, that was so powerful. Um, like I said earlier, I, I used to live in Vancouver and, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time in Chinatown, but that was the intrigue of it was to go and to explore something Mm-hmm. that was different and there was and, and different and out of curiosity and and experimenting and and like I just I recall enjoying just walking around and I might not yeah. have understood or known what everything was that was in the shops but it was just being in such a different environment and and seeing all the different just the shops and, and things in the stores and, and the vegetables and right. the markets yeah. and, and and even in the Chinatown in, on Vancouver Island in Victoria, it's the same. And the intrigue of, of walking through the, the little narrow um, alleyways and, and the buildings and, and, and like there's just so much to it. But I hadn't put together when you said that the micro Chinatowns out in Surrey, Coquitlam, and Richmond, and I'd never put that together. And, and even though I've been into the Richmond area, see, some of the draw was that, it, like, to go into downtown Vancouver, so say if I was living in Surrey, I was living in Coquitlam or Burnaby, that was part of the draw and the excitement to go down into it. It was part of the reason to be drawn to go into the city and then pick what part of the city I was. Right, right. Around just to go to Chinatown, but I would go into Vancouver and then maybe go explore another part of, of Vancouver. So um, I just really appreciate that. And, and this is what you said, yeah. progress. And, and progress isn't always necessarily a good thing, is it? It's I would different. say rarely a good thing. <laughs> well, living in New Westminster, um, there actually was once a Chinatown in New Westminster also, but the city fathers decided that they didn't want it, and it was basically erased. They, they decided it didn't belong here. Um, and now if you want to experience China, you can also go to the Crystal Mall, which is sort of a modern mm-hmm. version of Chinatown. And right. you can walk around and get the sounds and the smells of China. You know, you they sell the traditional foods. And, yeah. So that's another interesting experience. Right. Well, well uh, uh, as my connection to the Chinese culture, uh, all of this is just my neighborhood. You're talking about, I go, in, when I need... Uh, uh, a particular soap that I like, I go to Chinatown. I know where which store has got my soap. And when Michelle wants a wants a particular dinner from a Chinese restaurant in Richmond, I mean, this is all my neighborhood. You're talking about is the the old city and the new and the new uh, new Chinatown. So, and it, it, Brian, in case I, I my lady, uh, my partner is Chinese, so uh, I, I'm quite involved in in the Asian culture. Joe has his hand up. I'm after you. <laughs> okay. What's that? 
No, I said after you, Joel has his hand up for a comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to comment to Brian. <clears throat> I think I heard you say beforehand of the story you weren't confident about your writing yeah. skills or you didn't think you could write. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> to use that <laughs> progress right at the final word, that's a pretty deaf maneuver there to like flip the script on the story. So Thanks for encouragement. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I, I just write from my heart. That's it. Whatever comes and just you're a writer, you're a poet, you know that. It just comes, you know, I have to say it. It worked. It worked well. Perhaps the next time I should like to share a poem on on the homelessness. Where I see it almost every day. It's just a front of my eyes. Back in the early 70s, um, I came back to Vancouver after having spent um, almost four years teaching in uh, Malaysia and Brunei. Oh. And um, because um, but where I was teaching, in particularly in Brunei, it was primarily to provide secondary education to yeah. Chinese girls who were not able to go to the Brunei schools because Brunei, in Brunei was Malay, and, and so there was a limitation in terms of who was able to go there. So I remember when I came back from uh, when I came back from Brunei, I really missed uh, the experience of being in that kind of an environment, and so I. I got my parents to, because I was I didn't know Vancouver. I hadn't lived in Vancouver at that point in my life. And so I got my parents to take me down to Chinatown so that I could go. We, we could have lunch in one of the restaurants that um, uh, so that I, I could somehow imbibe the experience of um, that I had left behind. Um, so I. I I too have noticed since since the early mid to early seventies the change in Chinatown, and one of the things that strikes me is that um, part of what's happened is that with the diversity of of the population, people have moved into different parts of the Lower yeah. Mainland, and what we see is like there's the crystal mall there's tnt we see we see um like safeway has aisles where they particularly carry asian foods so it's an, an interesting thing how um we we've gone from the concentration of of the whole of people of chinese background and the whole experience of of china out into different places, um, it it just it just strikes me that um, while I I certainly experienced the loss of of Chinatown as it was, it also is an indication to me that people have people have moved and integrated into and we all live together, and so when I go to Safeway, I I can go and look on the shelves to buy something that prior to that I would never be able to get. So it's just an interesting, um, for me, it's an interesting uh, way that, um, that Vancouver has developed. 
Yes, you know that, Krista, you make a good point. I, what ran through my mind as you were just speaking about going onto the, into the grocery store, onto the shelves to look for something. If, if somebody's found a recipe for something, for example, and they need those particular products, in some ways, like you say, it makes it more accessible, but it might also take away a little bit of an intimidation, too. Like, if you don't feel that comfortable knowing what you're asking for, it gives you a little bit of space to look and peruse and, and kind of take in what's on the shelves and, and explore, maybe experiment, try something that you otherwise wouldn't have tried. Because I know myself, I mean, I, I love going into the, like, sit down into Chinatown looking, but, but if I don't... I wouldn't necessarily feel confident enough to go up and ask somebody, you know, what, what it is that they're either cooking or making. And, you know, I'm a little bit shy that way for certain sorts of things. So I, I just appreciate what you just said, Chris, because that, that's a good point. I was going to get to another issue that Chris had talked about that's happening in the area of uh, uh, commercial and Broadway. In Chinatown, there's some housing that's been taken down, and uh, it was housing that uh, that, that older um, Chinese Canadians had, and that people are asking, will you replace it with things people can afford? Because that's another way that the flavor of some neighborhoods have happened, that it just becomes too expensive as they decide that they're going to renovate, or what they call in, in many areas, gentrification, that the older uh, stores, homes by the people who first landed there, uh, they start remodeling and raising the prices so that people cannot keep those. So those are, uh, I think I was going to ask Chris at some point, we're going to talk about where are there opportunities to be advocates for retaining original housing that's in different areas of the city. It's happened to many communities that people can't afford to live where they had historically had their homes, their shops, and where people could go and get a flavor of being in that uh, community uh, globally. I would say too about the friendliness of people in, in uh, um, markets. I was looking at dragon fruit and I kept picking a piece up and putting it down. And I was in the area where people didn't speak English. I didn't speak Chinese, but a lady tapped me on the shoulder. And so she showed me, you know, how you peel it, you cut it, you use a spoon. I mean, it was really a whole lesson about this fruit. And I thought how nice that she saw that I was curious and just exchanged and told me about, you know, the dragon fruit. That's cool. Who is it mentioned? Um... Crystal Mo, is it you, Nancy, or Leslie? Me. Crystal Mo, Leslie, yeah. I think you're right. I think Crystal Mo, in my opinion, uh, you get more things in Crystal Mo than you get in Chinatown. Ooh. In other in other places, even Coquil. But Crystal Mo is a very good place. You know, it, um, it's like seeing a bit of old Chinatown. Yeah, I kind of discovered it. We uh, booked a trip to China a few years ago, and the travel agent was in the Crystal Mall. Yes. So I went in there and I actually I said to my husband, you know, we don't actually have to go to China. We can just come here. Yeah. <laughs> There's much less things in Chinatown now, I assure you. Mm. I think there are only two shops that sell vegetables. One, mm. hardly any. One main shop that sells vegetables in the whole Chinatown. It's unbelievable, you know, what's happening. Um, yeah, I haven't been to Chinatown for years. Yeah, you're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> So Crystal Mall is a better place, I assure you, mm -hmm. to go there. Yeah. 
anyway. But that's what's happening. And the, the one thing that has happened that's um, very recent is is the whole concern around the older the older population of Chinese people and uh, the housing where they were living and that the building had been sold to another agency. And the concern that people of Chinese ancestry who had lived there in this building for many years and who now were seniors and had lived in that neighborhood probably all their lives were facing the possibility of having to move. And um, I don't quite know how this happened. It's a little bit, it's a little bit surprising in that um, the city of Vancouver actually made arrangements for the people who bought the, the society that bought the building to sell it back so that it remain it will remain the the uh, a, a place for the older Chinese people that they will still be able to live there and not face the possibility of of having to move or I'll say be evicted, but having to move. So um, it's interesting to me how, uh, how historically there is a fairly large, um, com large community of older Chinese people that live in that neighborhood. And I was quite um, um, relieved, I guess, and surprised that, in fact, the city of Vancouver uh, intervened so that that building could remain um, and be, could remain and continue to be used for its original purpose. Unmuting. Right. 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 I. I pulled out my, my mouse. I don't know how people use just the pad to make things happen. <laughs> when I use the pad, terrible things happen. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to walk with my laptop so you can see a bit of this new space that the 411 Center has. And uh, uh, Nancy is going to tell you about the speaker we're going to have for next week. Oh, yes. Thank you. So next week, we have a gal by the name of Shabani Gokhale. She's a video journalist, a political reporter, a lawyer, a graduate of Columbia, and she has a master's in journalism. And she's going to come and share some time with us to celebrate Asian Heritage Month and also give us a little bit of insight into terms of what uh, Charlotte mentioned and, you know, what's going on right now, especially through COVID and some of the the experiences the Asian community has had as far as racism and 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 what steps, you know, suggestions, what steps that we could take mm -hmm. to combat that and 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 you know some positive things that we can do. And and so what suggestions as well like when we recognize mm -hmm. that you know people are being mistreated and and, and what steps we can take to, to eradicate that and, and to step up to, you know, to, to hold each other in high esteem. So she's, she's quite fabulous. So she's going to be with us next week. Her name's Shabani Gokhale. And, um, and so we're very excited about having her with us. And, and so we hope to see all of you next week. And, 
and uh, have us enlightened. And if you have any questions in particular that you want to bring in experiences, and, and we'll, we'll look forward to that next week. Hey, Joel. Well, oh, you're muted. There we go. Not just Charlotte. I'm doing it too. Um, <laughs> So this is uh, the thing I wanted to bring up before I have to get onto another call. Uh, it's just a, an idea I just want to run past you regarding something I'm working on with the university and in terms of some projects that follow up on what Luke and I were doing, we're trying to do or where we were going before COVID hit. And that was the, the thrift store that we had all the stuff stored in, in the, in the podcasting space and the upstairs thrift store on the seventh floor. The idea was we were trying to put together a program with AgeWell and with the same sort of people that are involved on the academic side with the podcasting uh, efforts and trying to take the physical, fit, uh, physical thrift store and converting it into an online thrift store. So something where uh, that that activity becomes digitized and becomes another area for collaboration or for uh, communication of these, these groups that we're working with. And that's not going to happen in that way now because I believe the thrift store is no more. I'm not sure what's happening on the third floor. I should, shouldn't say that. But, um, but it's less of a, a, a thing now that we have this stuff in the storage room that we got to do something with. But we still think it's a good idea oh, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to do this online thrift store e-commerce thing to sort of break down the, some of the technological divide there and go, here's, here's how you create a store. Here's how you create a product page. Here's how you do all these t types of things that uh, might seem intimidating, but they're actually so templated that they're not necessarily all that difficult to do once you get the handle of it. So... Uh, with that, we were just going to initially try this out um, with like vintage items and see how there's a lot of demand online for vintage items and people will pay a lot of markup over top of them. And uh, a lot of people have vintage items that are hanging around and don't really know what to do with them and maybe don't even know that they're there until they go to look. And so the idea was to, to find some of those types of things. But in context with the podcasting was whether we could put together like a show and tell of the items where the story of the item that you're wanting to let go of gets its, gets its due, gets its time to, uh, to be talked about. And, and then we'd have those stories about the objects and whether we could take those objects or those stories and add them into the product pages and, and see if that adds more interest and value to these things. Does that make sense? That's so, like, yeah. so, Joel, were you thinking about creating a whole new page or were you thinking about using existing platforms? Like you could use Facebook, set up a Facebook page and then use Marketplace, for example. Right? Oh, well, okay. So this is a bit strategic here is I'm mm. after Shopify, uh, who are in Ottawa, which is where Carlton is, right? So there's a, connect, there's a reason why I wanted to do this thing with Ottawa or in mm. Ottawa or remotely in Ottawa is because Shopify is a big target for what we're trying to do they're canada's biggest technology company mm. they've grown quite a bit during the, the pandemic time frame and uh and they they are you know they're the, the type of company that is in a position where they're trying to 
show what they can do, right? You know, that, that they're, they're able to help build communities and things like that. So, so that's an angle that we were looking at, and it's kind of come up a little bit uh, back again. And then the other part of that is um, I've been working with a, a podcasting platform that is really, really interesting in how it allows for collaboration we could all be on this this program or this platform that was that would help create the podcast and it's from spotify not shopify so those are two different things so i always mix them up so don't worry if you do um but i would like to see if we can uh, at some point maybe have a look at that program and, and see if it works for this community um see if i can maybe get uh some uh free use of it to see if it does work, you know, get a, a little focus group and l- let's have a look and see if this thing is, is going to be useful going forward. Um, and then maybe those two things come together down the road. So that's what I wanted to share with you all today. Something to think about. And um, maybe I'll have some more news next week. If, if I survive next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what happened was, um, uh, it's already a week. Well, now it's a couple weeks into class and I didn't realize I had to be enrolled in a class this summer semester. Otherwise I lose my scholarship. Oh, <laughs> So, uh, quickly get into a course and quickly catch up. And it's a, it's a, a, uh, intensive course. So it's like twice the amount of courses packed into one little oh. space. And I'm just like, Oh, my well, God. you're lucky you could get in. Right. Yeah, and that the course actually does fit a little bit of what I'm doing. Otherwise, I mean, it could have been like stats or something stupid I don't want to do right now, right? But <laughs> not stupid. But anyway, something I'm not really particularly interested in at the moment. And no, it turned out to be something okay. So anyway, that's my update. Thank you. Okay. Charlotte, there she is. <laughs> so you've seen how big the space is. That's just yeah. so you know where we have meetings. When we have uh, meetings such as podcast meetings, there's this huge room that we will space to have where up to <laughs> ninety people or so could sit. Once more than six people can be in a space, and this is my going into my office. And what I'll ask you in the next few minutes is just ideas. We're working on, now I can take my mask off. <laughs> For the speak from anyone. Uh, we're working on the idea of jump into June. Some of the things we'll be doing, you know, Father's Day occurs within June. Uh, Juneteenth is there, St. John the Baptiste, and another date. But ideas, you can put... Um, Many of you email me anyhow, so you can send an email to the PBAAFC at gmail.com for ideas of things that you'd like to see us talk about. Uh, More than 16 of the people who've been podcasters with us have been certified as peer leaders or people who are able to provide part of a presentation. Brian, although he says he's shy, I am. <laughs> he has presented uh, different things from encouraging people. When we were here in the building, he was one of the people that would go down with Joel and Luke and work with people in a sound booth to record. So an advantage that we've gotten um, 
with Zoom is everybody has got a mic and we've been able to show you ways you could present things from home. But we will be meeting here. We'll be encouraging more people to learn more skills. So there are different things, uh, being able to interview, being able to uh, hear the difference. Like some people who are who use phones, uh, if they have a technical problem with the phone, they aren't able to uh, speak and talk. They bring the phone up to their mouth <laughs> and then it gets distorted. So we're looking at having uh, headsets that people would be able to be able to borrow. So if they're using Zoom from home uh, and only have the phone, they would still be able to be in contact with us and they too would be able to tell a story, share a poem, or bring a news item. So if there's something that you'd like to know more about, if there's something that in the work that you're doing, many people within our group are advocates or activists in different areas. With Penny Goldsmith, we attended a workshop the other day on the digital digital divide. What are some of the other things that technology is creating? It still makes it difficult for you as a senior to get things done. Like uh, Leslie mentioned, uh, physical therapy by video. <laughs> but some people in trying to uh, make an appointment to see a doctor or an appointment for the video, there's a whole lot of buttons and things you have to push. So we are also looking for uh, ideas or things that you see that are still digital divide problems to know that there are bodies of people within the universities, there are bodies of people within the government that are looking at how do we solve these problems. Um, one of the goals for this group was um, to change the profile that people have of older people. And so you all have this reservoir, everybody's got this reservoir of stories. And so we are honoring stories by the way that we have captured some of them on our uh, on PB, you know, in our PBA website, we have the thing called spins. So we're looking for more people who want to do an interview with someone to tell us about the interview and we can help you to get it recorded. So if there's anything that you want to say right now about ideas for what you would like to see or do uh, next month, you can shout it out. Did you know? Did you know that June first is National Donut Celebration Day? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to know that. I did not know that. See, Nancy. National National Donut Day, June first. Who knew? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think if you look, probably every day is a celebration of something. Uh, it's probably International Bagel Day the next day. <laughs> or an International Diet Day, a diet month. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, after all the donuts and the bagels, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, it's uh, a said for Mother's Day, before Mother's Day, we had people think about sentiments or about pictures that they wanted to to share. So some people wrote a, wrote a memoir, some people wrote a poem, some people talked about and found history. So on the 3rd of June, that will be the week that's leading into Father's Day. So we'll have a pre-Father's Day. So if you have ideas about Father's Day, things you'd like to do, you can let me know, you can let uh, Nancy know as we're working on putting together the program for June. So, yeah. uh, I won't sing. Apart from Donut Day, uh, <laughs> June 20th is International Refugee Day. 
That would be good if you could help us find, you know, either resources, speakers, something that we could do to highlight that. That that's the twentieth is also the summer solstice, mm-hmm. and so. Well, in June twenty first is uh, Aboriginal Day, right in Vancouver or in Canada. Right. And so usually either before the day or, or during that week, we made uh, attempted to have either presentation or particular information from um, people within the indigenous neighborhood or nation. So we can reach out. And if, if you have contacts, sometimes we make invitations and what we say in inviting people of different ethnicities, we don't want you to just come uh, as a representative of that ethnicity for that day, but to get, be part of the group because everybody's ideas are valid and bringing them to the table uh, to the extent that our podcast has gotten the attention of some representatives of government agencies or people wanting to know what seniors want, it's a value. So I would appreciate contacts or ideas that you have of what we can do to recognize National Indigenous Peoples Day uh, you could send it to me by email or put it in the chat or I don't know what Nancy, if you want to put your email uh, information oh, sure. in. I will do that right now. And the 24th, actually the Thursday, the 24th is St. John Baptiste Day in Quebec. Yeah. But I think people in Vancouver also celebrate it. So we can look into what we might want to do or say. Mm-hmm. So, so that's now it's more to... that's more than enough uh, yes. content for the month of June. <laughs> yes. Well, what we don't cover, I mean, it's just getting more people involved. Some people say, how can I be involved? But we have a dean who's thinking of stories or dances that she can bring. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun. I've enjoyed everyone that's participated and other people that have told other people, uh, keep positive thoughts. There are five people within our group who are dealing with cancer. A kind of community has happened within our group because there's some people who or at an advanced level of having survived a number of years, are talking with some of the people who've had a new diagnosis. So that type of uh, community, while we don't give the people's name out within the podcast, sometimes if someone contacts me that they're dealing with an issue, I'll ask someone who's already dealt with that issue if they mind sharing information with the other people. And so that is happening. But there's some people that have you know, written that they wish or they would like to con- attend, but there are just some health challenges that they're dealing with. So... We just uh, each continue to be ambassadors, reaching out, telling people about this call and how this podcast is a way that people can share information, enlighten each other, and share and show off their their talents. Yeah, and I want to say, Brian, too, I really appreciated when you were first saying at the introduction that you you took that writing course and you're thinking, I have no interest in writing and, and, and how it changed your life. That, that was just, it was really inspiring to hear that. And thank you. You're welcome. It's just, uh, I don't know how to put it in words. I'm just so grateful that I, you know, Mariko and Julia encouraged me to, to go for this class. And it's part of my personality always to refrain from 
for people. Like when I was young, as a child, I was terrified of people. I grew up with the terror of people in crowds. So it's difficult for me to appear in front of crowds. And so I've been pretty isolated uh, here in Canada for many, many years. It's partly my fault, I know that. But so writing, writing has come, instead of going to see a therapist, and I'm going to see therapists, I think I did a better job writing because it's very therapeutic for me. You know, each time I write is a part of healing. Yeah. You know, so, so I'm just grateful. And I, I tell everyone, people say, I'm not a poet, I can write. I say, no, it's rubbish. If I can write, you can write. Write whatever you feel. You write for yourself, not for the world. It's so true. Right? Yeah, just express yourself. I think writing comes for me and for a lot of people, whether they know it or not. It's a part of, of self-love. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's loving yourself in a very intimate way. That's how I see writing. So That's so true. And, and the, the fact that you're willing to stretch yourself, you know, recognize what your habits are, but stretch yourself and, and then discover something new about yourself and... I, yeah. I just, you know, you just can, we're continually growing, right? Continually growing. And you never know what kind of impact you taking steps like that for yourself are going to have on everybody else around you, even if, even if you're not made aware of it. Like just you doing that for yourself affects everybody else. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that, you know. Talking about refugees, I even wrote a poem on refugees recently. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to listening more with your poems. <laughs> okay, well, a few people are signaling that they have to leave, so I'll just thank you each for being here. Thank you, Mariko and Brian, especially for making a special Thanks, presentation. Nancy. Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure. Leslie, everyone. Thank you, Beth. Thank you so much, Mariko and Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To see you next Thank time. Take care. We'll yeah. see you soon. Bye bye. Next week. Bye bye. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you.